some years, if time counted there in the ordinary way, a child is delivered over to some person who ardently desires one. But the selection of such a person needs even greater care to avoid mistakes. Miss Watkins is a lady of intelligence far above the ordinary, and, in addition to being a great organiser, she has no mean knowledge of the sciences. These qualities enabled her not only to discover the existence of the land of the Snurgs, in itself a marvellous piece of brainwork, but also how to get there without a nasty spill. I do not propose to go into details of how she managed this, as it would be a story twice as long as this one, but will merely state that she admitted into the society twenty-two carefully selected ladies each of whom had four or five children ready to be removed from their homes without notice, and made the most careful preparations for transferring them all to the new land. It was arranged that each lady should come with one well-wrapped-up superfluous child, as this would be all that they could carry at one time, and the rest could be fetched later. They were to bring also for each one a bundle containing blankets, woolies, and two combination suits of wear-resisting fabric, and to use their discretion with regard to small extras, such as wash-rags, fine tooth-combs, and the like. All went excellently. They met on Hampstead Heath one blowy October night at 11.30, and by 12.15 Miss Watkins had inspected and passed all bundles, and seen that all hands had taken a cup of hot milk or cocoa. Then she gave the word, and away they all went on a high wind. From this slight beginning grew the organization of the SRSC, as it is today, with 478 superfluous children under its care, and more coming. As this is purely a story of the extraordinary adventures that befell two of the children, owing to their foolish disregard of the laws so wisely made for their benefit, a story which should not be without improving effect on the minds of my younger listeners, I will not give more than a brief account of the ways and means by which the society attains its object. The children are divided into two classes, according to size and age. The little ones wear one-piece garments known as the slip-on which have the advantage that they can be slipped off for bathing with one wriggle. The older ones wear two-piece garments, the boys having shorts and shirts, and the girls skirts and blouses. Woolly coats are worn in the cold weather, which lasts only for a few seasonable weeks at Christmas time. For most of the year they do not wear shoes, but what are called slinkers. The houses are on the higher ground just behind Watkins Bay, and are all of one story. They're made of a criss-cross framework of timbers, with walls of clay mixed with little mashed-up shells in between the timbers, very strong and neat in appearance. Inside, the walls are plastered and painted light pink or blue. Behind the houses there is a wide stretch of turf, on which are swings and arrangements for healthful games such as netball and bumble-puppy. Not far away the forest begins, with few trees at first, and mostly bushes, where they play at pretense Indians and Robin Hood and so forth. 
but the trees soon grow thicker and thicker, until it is quite shady even at midday in some parts. A pleasant place with soft lawns here and there, and a variety of ferns. But it's not wise to let the children roam about there too much, for it's quite easy to get lost. Beyond the forest, a long day's march away, is the town of the Snurgs, who built the houses for the society, as well as doing other useful things, of which I'll give an account later. Each house has a protecting fence twelve feet from the walls to keep away the cinnamon bears, who live in the forest and who form friendships with the children when on their walks. This is all very well in its way, but the bears had the habit of trying to get into the houses at night, and, when they found the doors shut, of lying down outside and rubbing against the wall.